Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Friday. It's July 21st. Guess what that means? It's also a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We'll get into the weekend specials in just a minute. Plus, we'll have the $100 gift certificate available to you during some strategical point in today's program. But as we typically do, let's kickstart things with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question here. Pac-12 media days are underway. Bob has been giving me play-by-play updates about what's going on That's for right. Pac-12 media day. <laughs> Uh, Very entertaining play-by-play updates, I might add. Uh, I'm trying hard here. For instance, the Stanford coach, who I've never seen before, um, he's up there right now at the podium, and I just assumed he's got this offense that's supposed to be kind of progressive in his days at at, uh, Sacramento State. I just kind of assumed he was like one of these young whippersnapper dudes, and he's not a young whippersnapper by any means. (laughs) So. (laughs) That's part of the play-by-play that you all missed before, and now you're you have you're privy to. There, you there go. we go. Uh, so when it comes to the KDOS1060.com poll question here, uh, what do we think is going to happen for the Pac-12? Who wins the Pac-12 in 2023? USC, Utah, or Washington? And uh, we've had a major change in voting since the nine o'clock hour right now washington is out in front at 47 percent of the vote usc trailing at 40 percent and utah at 13 percent of the vote okay i'll say one thing right off the bat about washington uh we mentioned this earlier this week yeah last year they were certainly kind of the trendy fun team and surprising team they also didn't play usc or utah last year and i believe they play them in consecutive weeks this season so the schedule much more difficult for them. Obviously, USC has Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner back. Utah, um, you know, their, their situation injury-wise, we'll see how this uh, – Cam Rising, uh, you know, Whittingham in the last hour would not commit that Cam Rising will be back for game one of the season. You remember he tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl. So that's a roughly, I don't know if that was a January 1st game or not last year. Who can keep track? At least I can't. But it was obviously just you know, a few months ago, not a full season to recover, et cetera. Um, you know, so, you know, it's, uh, so that was uh, uh, interesting. But Rising actually is at the media today. Uh, today He was one of the two Utah players that were, that were represented, uh, on, at least on the podium. So... Uh, so he's there, but uh, you know, I did find it interesting that Whittingham did not commit that Rising would be back for week one when they have the rematch and revenge game against Florida. I'm sure he'd love to play that game because he threw the interception in the end zone at the end of that game that clinched the victory for the Gators. 
Yes, he did. Uh, we will answer that question around 1130. Still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Bob had a conversation with Cole Thompson, Longhorns Country. If you missed it, podcast over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. Talking all things Texas football. So here's the question. Is Texas really back this time? And uh, 100% of the vote remains on the no side of things. Yeah, I probably didn't help that at all in the last hour. You know, I don't know if everybody knows these, understand, understands these numbers or realizes them, but Texas hasn't won the Big 12 since 2009. That's the year they actually went to the BCS championship game, and Colt McCoy uh, was the quarterback. He got injured in that game in the first quarter against Alabama, and they got run off the field after that. And they actually kind of made a run in the second half of that game, but uh, they lost. Uh, they've only won 10 games, or, you know, double-digit wins once since 2009, yet every year we have to go through, is Texas going to be back? Uh, they've gone through, uh, back Brown was the coach in 2009, they've gone through Charlie Strong, Tom Herman, and now Sarkeesian. And Sarkeesian, while I think everybody agrees, is a tremendous offensive mind. He's not exactly th- uh, flourished as a head coach. His teams have never won more than uh, than uh, nine games. They've not finished in the AP top 20 in any season that he's been a head coach, whether it be Washington, USC, or Texas. That's kind of staggering because, as you pointed out, everyone has always thought of him as being such an offensive mind and, you know, learning under the tutelage there of Pete Carroll and then getting the opportunities to to go and coach the Huskies, go and coach USC. Everyone knows about some of the personal battles and struggles that he's gone through, Nick Saban and the success that they had and kind of almost like reinvigorating uh, Alabama offense there and then parlaying that into uh, an opportunity for him to coach the Texas Longhorns. That's interesting, though, that it hasn't all come together as more than just the offensive piece. That's true. I will say I don't think there's any doubt that the current collection of talent that he has at Texas right now is better than it was at any point at Washington or when he's even at USC. I will say this, though. I know Arch Manning's not starting this year for Texas. That's going to Quinn Ewers. But with the collection of talent in the Manning family, to be able to continue to kind of uh, – facilitate Arch Manning's growth uh, you have to sort of think that they signed off on Steve Sarkeesian and think that he has the right tools to be able to help uh, Arch Manning move along in his career yeah and that's apparently not going to be this season unless there's a a, you know viewers is terrible and Murphy the backup quarterback is injured as uh, I learned in the last hour from Cole Thompson our guest is uh uh, he, he's completely convinced that uh, if viewers would get off to a slow start, it's going to be Murphy as the uh, you know start the uh, replacement to be the starting quarterback for this year, and that uh, you know basically Arch Manning uh, is uh, you know been recruited and being kind of uh, I don't know if uh, you know it depends on what happens with Ewers Ewers this season too, but you know, Manning's more of a when they get to the SEC to start next season. He's an SEC starting quarterback, but not necessarily a starting quarterback for Texas this year. 
I mentioned it's Friday. It's July 21st. It's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Our friends located at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Pay them a visit this weekend. The specials for the weekend, certified Angus Beef Choice Tri-Tip Roast at $12.99 a pound, prime pork butt roast at $3.99 a pound, fresh, natural, boneless, skinless chicken breast, plain only at $4.99 a pound. They, of course, have craft beer, wine, and amazing treats for your four-legged friends, vonhansensmeats.net. We'll have the $100 gift certificate a little bit later on in the program. Let's go back briefly to yesterday morning's contest with the Diamondbacks facing the Braves. Uh, they did lose 7-5, to five, but I just wanted to reiterate how good Zach Gallen was yesterday. He had a no-hitter there going uh, through the fifth, going into the sixth. He ended up seven innings pitched, five hits, three runs, five strikeouts, two home runs and had left the game with the lead and then the wheels came off there for the bullpen with Miguel Castro starting the seventh you thought things were going well he had two outs and then all of the damage for the Braves was done with two outs in that game yeah and I know there's a lot of euphoria here because the Diamondbacks won two out of three against the Braves uh, I'm sorry uh, yeah, I, I don't put any stock into that at all I would uh just but want more stack into the way that this bullpen has performed a lot of this season. And I don't know how many questions we've had in some shape or form about, you know, how, what do they need to do to fix the bullpen? It's the point now where they need to, if they're going to make any kind of, uh, you know, postseason, if they, even if they're going to make the postseason, quite frankly, they've got to make bullpen additions uh, before, you know, the August 1st trade deadline. And I would suggest that Mike Hazen not wait till August the 1st. And if, you know, I was, if I'm Mike Hazen, I'm on the phone today or you think of yesterday, or I'm sure he has been on the phone for days now trying to like you know, set up some possible trade scenarios and see who's available and so forth. It's going to be a wild rush for relief pitchers and starting pitchers, but I think even more so relief pitchers before August the 1st, and there are a few teams, if anybody, that's a contending team or a playoff-level team that needs more relief help than the Diamondbacks on this trip so far, which is, you know, they're down 2-4 and four on this trip. There's really been one good inning uh, from bullpen, the bullpen in this series, uh, this six-game stretch after the break. That was the, uh, you know, the 1-2-3. In fact, he struck out the side. Uh, Kevin Ginkle on Tuesday night in Atlanta. He came back on Wednesday and basically you know, somehow did not lose that game. Uh, it was somewhat of a miracle that that didn't happen. Six games on this trip. The bullpen's thrown 15 of the third innings. They have an earned run average in those 15 of the third innings of 11.92. And they've given up three home runs in those you know, 15 of the third innings. As for how things are shaping up in the NL West, the Dodgers were off yesterday, so they remain atop of the NL West at 55 and 40. The Diamondbacks 54 and 43, two games back now. Giants also 54 and 43, two games back. Uh, they played yesterday, lost to the Reds. But first, let's start with the Dodgers as they'll begin a pivotal series against Texas uh, and the Rangers in Texas against the Rangers here tonight. It's going to be Tony Gonsolin. He's five and three, 3.72 ERA, 57 strikes. Strikeouts going up against Andrew Heaney, 6-6, six six, 4.43 ERA, 97 strikeouts. The Dodgers will also be sending Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan uh, Saturday and Sunday. And for the Rangers, Dane Dunning and Martin Perez. 
Yeah, might be Miller tomorrow. Uh, he had some issues after his last start. I believe it was a knee problem. Uh, so he's uh, you know, the smallest uh, pencil you can come up with or the lightest pencil there is would be scheduled to start that game tomorrow. That game smells like a bullpen game to me. We'll see how it goes. But the Dodgers, this nine-game trip, they won two out of three at uh, New York against the Mets. And, you know, they you know they could have won all three, but they got uh, dominated by Max Scherzer on last Sunday, who was probably – that's probably the Scherzer's best start of the year. In fact, he was tremendous. Then they won two out of three against the Orioles. The Orioles had won eight straight uh, before the uh, they won the game. The Orioles escaped and won the game on, uh, on Wednesday against the Dodgers. So four and two on this road trip so far. Uh, against uh, you know, you know the Mets and you know the and obviously uh, the first place Orioles and now they go face the first place Texas Rangers who are you know they have not lost a game they are six and two since the All Star break they haven't lost a game since then and uh, he's they've been good uh, the good news I guess for the Dodgers is they don't have to face Evaldi in this series uh, Martin Perez as you mentioned is pitching on Sunday. He's been either really good or not good at all, but he's been usually pretty good at home, and this is a series in Texas. Uh, the Giants, they lost to the Reds yesterday 5-1. to one. Alex Cobb, four and a third innings, nine hits, five runs, four walks, one home run. The Giants will start a series against the Nationals. The Reds will play the Diamondbacks, so we'll get to that Diamondbacks and Reds series in just a minute. As for the Giants, though, facing the Nationals, they have to feel good about this. Alex Wood going tonight, Logan Webb on Saturday, and then TBD on Sunday. Yeah, the Giants have had a really good road trip here so far. They swept Pittsburgh, but you know, you, I, and seven of our best friends could sweep the Pirates right now. Uh, so that was uh, kind of, I think, expected. Uh, then they won the first two games of the series at Cincinnati. They did lose the last two. Uh, but uh, you know, no team in baseball has more road wins than the uh, Giants since May the 1st. Not in any division. Uh, so they've been really good on the road. And now they continue this trip. Good way to end it is you get to place the finally face, a, a, you know, not finally because they faced Pittsburgh, but you know they get the last place uh, Nationals in the last three games of this nine-game road trip for them. So it's interesting that the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Diamondbacks all began the second half of the season with three city road trips and you know, nine, ten games, depending on which team it is. Uh, as for the Diamondbacks and the Cincinnati Reds here tonight, it's supposed to be Tommy Henry, 5-2, 3.89 ERA, 56 strikeouts going up against Ben Lively, who's 4-5, 3.72 ERA, and 53 strikeouts. Saturday, Sunday, listed as TBD, and you mentioned in uh, the sports zone here, and I don't have a good answer for it either, uh, the thought was Merrill Kelly would be able to get his rehab start, expected to come back here either this week or beginning of next week, and it doesn't I don't know what the update is there. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, he was not going to pitch this weekend, but yeah, he had a uh, simulated game scheduled yesterday, and that uh, he didn't have it. And I'm not sure why he didn't have it. That could be for a variety of reasons. Uh, he's been on the injured list, yeah, since uh, you know the you know, end of the near the end of June uh, with the blood clot in his leg. You know, they already, uh, you know, they placed uh, Kyle Davies on the injured list, and, you know, he's come back, and they actually sent him back to Phoenix uh, to have his lower back examined. Uh, as I suggested on Wednesday, not really knowing that he had a lower back injury, but 
you know, they won that game that he pitched earlier this week. Uh, and, but that wasn't necessarily because of Kyle Davies. He gave up eight runs uh, in that wild game at Atlanta on Tuesday. And they had lost the last six games that Davies had started before that. And it's not like Davies did anything to put his team in a position to win that game. They just scored 15 runs to win it. Uh, to you know, Basically, that kind of bailed them out. So it would be certainly, if Kelly could come back, I think it's pretty easy that he's in the rotation and Davies is gone. Uh, but uh, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, I don't think there's any, you know, I hope there's not any thought process that Brandon Fott might get another chance. We've seen enough of that at the major league level for this year. And at this point, I don't really care what he does in the minor leagues. Uh, he should not be in the major leagues. It's a you know, line drive home run machine uh, for him in the major leagues. He just is not currently equipped to get major league hitters out. Uh, and we've seen it uh, you know, several different times. So uh, we're done with that. If uh, let's just say that Kelly is not available to pitch next week, and we are, you know, you know, Davies is already out, the Diamondbacks actually have a better chance with even with their bullpen uh, to win a bullpen game than they do right now than with Kyle Davies as a starting pitcher. Uh, so that series will get underway here tonight, uh, 410, uh, as for the Diamondbacks looking to inch their way closer in the NL West. I'll put a pin in the rest of the Major League Baseball conversation, and we'll pick it up on the other side of the break with the Orioles and the Rays. Uh, now the Orioles find themselves in the AL, West, uh, AL East lead, so we'll dive into that and how the rest of the okay, series. Kayla, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just want to add one other quick thing about this Red Series. Andrew Abbott, who is by far the Diamond ba- the uh, di- the Reds' best starting pitching. In fact, he's the only decent starting guy. He pitched yesterday. He was dominant, so he will not be pitching in this series against the Diamondbacks. So that's good news for Arizona. That is good news for Arizona. Uh, so we'll pick up the Major League Baseball conversation on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports on this Friday, July 21st. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. It's a Friday spread brought to you by Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Visit them at their website, also vaughnhansensmeats.net. We'll have a $100 gift certificate available to you a little bit later on in the program. Let's continue our Major League Baseball conversation here. A big series in the AL East with the Orioles and the Rays, and you had the Orioles beating the Rays yesterday 4-3 to three in 10 innings with the win. The Orioles now have a one-game lead in the division. The Blue Jays sit five and a half games back. Uh, but when it comes to the contest yesterday, the starting pitchers, it was Kyle Gibson six innings, seven hits, three runs, two walks, eight strikeouts, and Tyler Glasnow went seven innings, six hits, three runs, and nine strikeouts for the Rays. They were both better than those numbers. Uh, both of the defenses uh, of Baltimore, which is sometimes a little shaky, especially a couple infield positions, uh, and the Rays, which is that their defense has been really good, but uh, they weren't good yesterday. 
Uh, so, you know, really, this game was not very well played for two teams that are battling for first place. And, uh, you know, the two best teams maybe in any division is off the top of my head. I need to think about that more before I probably say that. But anyway, two best teams in one division in baseball, I think. You're close to it. I was disappointed, quite frankly, at the level of play in this game. Uh, the Rays just basically gave the Orioles a chance to you know, get the lead uh, with a couple of bad defensive plays, and then the Orioles pretty much gave away their 3-1, 3-1 lead because of some shaky defense later, and then the Orioles actually made a couple of great defensive plays uh, towards the end of the game, and they won in 10, but you know, like I said, I was you know, a little disappointed that the game wasn't played better uh, between you know, high-level opponents. When it comes to the happenings today, you have Kyle Bradish, 6-4, 3.05 ERA, 87 strikeouts, and Zach Eflin, who you like, 10-5, 3.59 ERA, 105 strikeouts. Eflin has been the salvation for Tampa. Um, you know, they've also lost all the starting pitchers, you know, three of their top five starters out for the season. And Eflin, who they signed and spent a lot of money for and gave, I believe, it was a four-year contract. So spending money in a four-year contract for Tampa, something you don't see very often. And Eflin has been ten; he's got a ten and five record, and he's been really good. Bradish has been actually pretty good here lately, at six and four. Still, I would expect. I've been talking about. I think the Orioles need to add starting pitching. I think we've said that ever since we started talking about the Orioles this year with some kind of a, you know, positivity. Uh, but uh, you know, they still, in my opinion, need to add some starting pitching. As well as Gibson pitched yesterday, he shouldn't be the number one starter in any rotation. They might get John Means. It looks like they're going to get John Means back at some time in August. He's been out for uh, the better part of actually more than a year calendar-wise because of Tommy John surgery. And uh, you know he's a fly ball pitcher. And uh, that's a ballpark which they've moved the fences back, literally back 40 feet in left field since he last pitched there. So that should help him. So we'll see how that goes. But I still think they need to add a pitcher. And then, uh, you know, obviously Tampa Bay, we've been talking about this for some time now. And even since the All-Star break, they officially lost Rasmussen for the entire season. Officially, we kind of anticipated that that was going to happen. But we'll see what happens with him. And both these teams have been mentioned to be in on the Otani sweepstakes. If I'm not positive right now if there's such a thing as the Otani sweepstakes, and in part because they're Angels. They just beat the Yankees. You know, once again, the Yankees are terrible right now. It's currently constructed. They just, you know, they, they won a series for the first time in like over a month, really almost a month, the Angels. But since they won some games now, there's some speculation of maybe they won't take, trade Otani because they still have a playoff chance. And uh, I think that uh, if they use that opinion, if, if whether the Angels trade Otani or not is based on whether they think they can make the playoffs or not, that would be stupid on my part. I think they have to assume that they're not going to make the playoffs. It's most likely they're not going to. And Otani, you know, there's no chance he's going to resign. So what they supposedly want are multiple top 100 prospects in return and some kind of package. And Tampa Bay and Baltimore are teams that could, uh, they're two of the few teams that could offer such a package for Otani if they wanted to do so. I'll get to the hypothetical Otani blockbusters from ESPN and how it pertained to the Diamondbacks in just a second. I'll finish the uh, 
series between the Orioles and the Rays, though. Saturday, Grayson Rodriguez, 2-2, two two, 7.33 ERA, 60 strikeouts. Shane McClanahan, 11-1, 2.56 ERA, 107 strikeouts in Sunday's contest. It'll be Tyler Wells, 7-5, 3.54 ERA, 105 strikeouts. Taj Bradley, 5-6, 5.29 ERA, 89 strikeouts. Yeah, pretty intriguing. Uh, yeah, Rodriguez was awful when he should not have been in the major leagues to begin the season, and they left him out there, and he got slaughtered in several starts. Uh, he came back and pitched for the first time since his recall from AAA earlier this week. It was okay. Uh, practically was pretty good for the first four or five innings against the Dodgers. The Dodgers, your first opponent back, that's not exactly fair, uh, but he made it through. Uh, so uh, they're counting on him to be in the Major League roster for the rest of the season. We'll see if he can have any fastball command whatsoever, which he did not have in his uh, earlier stint this season, uh, in deep, you know, lengthy stint or somewhat lengthy stint before they just realized we, we can't deal with this anymore. We've got to send him back. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, yeah, Wells has been really kind of the uh, salvation. I mentioned Eflin, the salvation for the Tampa Bay staff. Wells has been really good. He got clobbered by the Dodgers the other night, though. But before that, he had a ridiculous stretch. I believe it was seven straight starts. We allowed exactly two earned runs. And uh, that is exactly a formula to win there for sure. But uh, we'll see how he goes. And uh, uh, interesting pitching, obviously, you know, McClanahan pitching tonight and you know, the fact that he came back, pitched well in his first game in uh, in like three weeks after he had the back situation. And he had to miss a couple of starts, and there was the all-star break that factored in there too. Uh, but yeah, he was uh, good against Texas in his first start back. Didn't factor in the decision in that game, but you know, he held Texas, that offense, down to, I believe it was two runs in like six innings. So he was good. So very intriguing to watch these pitching matchups. I just hope that the game is uh, played at a higher level uh, just as a entertainment purposes. And as a baseball fan, hopefully it will be a better played game than I watched last night. We'll get into one more series with the Braves and the Brewers in just a minute. But uh, going into that hypothetical Otani blockbusters from ESPN, uh, ESPN's David Schoenfeld proposed that the Diamondbacks would send shortstop Jordan Lawler, off uh, outfielder Alec Thomas, right-handed pitcher Slade uh, Sassoni, and left-handed pitcher Yumin Lin to the Angels for Otani. And he says that the Diamondbacks are building something so they could be reluctant to deal away future talent. But since Otani is favorable, to land with the Dodgers of the Giants 2023 becomes the Diamondbacks best chance to win the division that that was an interesting perspective there however ESPN's Jeff Passan uh, said in that uh, kind of rebuttal if you will it's a strong offer but inclined to say no while Lawler is a top 25 prospect some scouts have doubts that he's the sort of player around whom a deal of this magnitude could be built Lynn is a favorite already up to double a having just turned 20 but Thomas simply hasn't hit in 600 big league plate appearances and Sassoni is faltering in triple a if you want to consider shortstops Blaze Alexander and Jansel Lewis is in the deal uh, that that would make him inclined to listen more so yeah, I don't think there's any chance, and I mean zero chance, of that offer enticing the Angels to trade Otani. Not at all. Not a chance. 
Would any offer, do, do you, uh, let me just ask this question. Do you think that there is any offer that the Diamondbacks should put forth to the Angels to try to lure Otani here for rental purposes to conclude the season? No, actually. But, uh, you know, the Jordan Lawler thing is, uh, you know, we went through that this week a little bit. When we had the question of, you know, whether they should uh, offer a, you know, him for Dylan Cease in a package, and Lawler, the fact that he's hitting like 243, I believe it was earlier this week, at least as of like Monday or Tuesday, in a league that's considered to be a hitter's paradise, uh, that's a little disappointing. Um, you know, he does have some runs batted in and so forth at Double A Amarillo, but he's not exactly enhanced his trade stock. And you know, there were some questions of whether you know how good a player he is before this season. Yeah, he was uh, you know, their first-round draft pick, fifth or sixth overall. I don't recall which of those, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. And uh, he's certainly considered to be the uh, top prospect, the top minor league prospect currently in the Diamondback system. I totally agree with the assessment of Thomas. In fact, I believe I mentioned to you on the air yesterday during the Diamondbacks and Braves game after Thomas had a rather feeble at bat that he looks kind of like what he looked like. Uh, yeah, remember when he came back up, mm-hmm. he looked really good the first you know, seven or eight games. That was that series in Milwaukee. He was tremendous when he came back up from AAA. He was terrible here offensively, and they sent him back. He's looked more like the guy that was a pretty feeble offensive player. He's an incredible center fielder. You can make an argument, in fact. Uh, now, I'm just being conservative here. There are a few center fielders at the major league level right now that are better than he is defensively. But whether he can hit enough to stay in the major leagues or be an everyday regular player long term in the major leagues, I think is a legitimate question. We'll take a break here. On the other side of the break, we'll get into the Braves and the Brewers series for uh, this upcoming weekend. We'll also dive into a little bit of NFL news. Uh, We'll also take your calls if you'd like to join the program. 602-260-1060 is the number. 602-260-1060 as we have arrived on this Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Once again, the weekend specials here are the certified Angus Beef Choice Tri-Tip Roast at $12.99 a pound, prime pork butt roast at $3.99 a pound, fresh, natural, boneless, skinless chicken breast, plain only at $4.99 a pound. There will be a $100 gift certificate available to you a little bit later on in the program, but visit our friends this weekend, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Back after this, it is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. A suggestion for you, download the KDOS 1060 app. Take us with you anywhere you go. Also register when you download and take advantage of the listener rewards opportunities. Right now, Superbook Sports has put up a $100 gift certificate. So follow along with the instructions for how you can be eligible to potentially win that $100 gift certificate. 
certificate. Uh, as we continue some Major League Baseball conversation here, there's a series of importance as well. The Braves at the Brewers. The Brewers hold a two-and-a-half game lead on the Reds as it is right now. Of course, the Braves seem to be firmly locked into their positioning in their division. But when it comes to uh, the Braves and, and uh, the series against the Brewers here, we have Michael Soroka, 1-1, 5.50 ERA, 19 strikeouts going up against Freddie Peralta, 6-7, and 4.41 ERA, 113 strikeouts tonight. Yeah, I think that Soroka is just unfortunately for him. I mean, he hasn't been the same pitcher. Uh, maybe not, maybe expectedly not been the same pitcher. He had consecutive Achilles tendon injuries uh, that forced him to miss the last two seasons. Then he's been slow to come back this year. Uh, I, I kind of think he's keeping the seat warm in the rotation until Max Freed returns. And I did not see what, how Freed's, he was supposed to have a rehab start yesterday and it was supposed to be this final rehab start. I'm guessing it must have gone okay because I'm pretty sure I would have heard otherwise if it didn't go okay. But uh, it's, it was believed at least before yesterday, uh, at least on Wednesday night when I heard the Braves telecast people talk about this, is that uh, Freed was going to make the rehab start uh, on yesterday, which is Thursday. And if that went well, he was going to be back in the rotation next week. Unfortunately, this weekend series... Um, because of yesterday and the way the, the rotation set up. Uh, it, uh, too bad this series didn't start yesterday because it would have been Cor Corbin Burns against uh, Spencer Strider, and unfortunately now neither will be pitching in this series this weekend. That's right. Saturday right now for the Braves, at least as I saw this morning, was TBD. Adrian Hauser for the Brewers, 3-2, and 3.79 ERA, 39 strikeouts. And then Sunday, Bryce Elder, 7-2, and 3.31 ERA, 84 strikeouts. And Julio Tehran, 2-4, and 4.01 ERA, 35 strikeouts for the Brewers. Yeah, Tehran is, was a nice story, but now he's just getting destroyed every start. So I can't imagine he's going to be in their rotation much longer. Hauser's actually been uh, the you know, weak link until you know, Tehran's recent struggles. So uh, I would assume that uh, there's a possibility that neither of those guys will be in the rotation long term for uh, Milwaukee. Uh, be interesting. Who's pitching Sandy for Atlanta? I'm sorry. He said uh, Bryce Elder. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's what I you know, I remember now. Um, his last two starts have been really bad, including the Diamondbacks. He was an all-star guy. I mean, he was not even part of the rotation uh, when he started the season, and obviously the injuries, you know, uh, just uh, really you know, had two or three starting rotation injuries. That's why he got the opportunity, and he took advantage of it. But this is a big start, I think, for him. And also considering the fact that the Brewers – even though they've uh, had a nice run here lately, uh, they're not a good offensive team. So I, I think that the Braves are going to be very disappointed if Elder delivers another poor performance on Sunday in the final game of this series. So that'll be something to pay attention to. Uh, we'll switch gears here and go into some NFL topics. Uh, the sale has been made official for the Commanders. Josh Harris is the new owner. On the way out the door, the NFL is making Daniel Snyder pay $60 million to the league in the resolution of Mary Jo White's findings and, quote, all outstanding matters. When it comes to just kind of the future of the Commanders, Don Van Nata Jr. from ESPN told Rich Eisen yesterday, 
yesterday that he believes a name change is in order for the team, uh, a fresh start. Also, I was listening to uh, someone who does local radio in the D.C. area, and they were just kind of talking about how no one has really ingratiated themselves to the name the Commanders. Uh, there really isn't a whole lot of merchandise being sold, and there was a recent poll that uh, 77% of people would love for the name to be changed, so we could have a fourth name change here soon. Yeah. For well, the I'll commanders. add to that. Yeah, you know, I don't. Yeah, I can understand that. I don't think that people wanted to go out and buy Commanders gear and give Daniel Snyder some money. Uh, so I think that was part of it. Maybe no matter what the team name is, I'm guessing the merchandise will get better. I will say one thing. I watched some of Mr. Harris's press conference yesterday, and he needs to learn really quickly. And, in fact, I'm sure he was told shortly thereafter this press conference that you shouldn't call D.C. the city because they get really pissed off if you don't call it the district, as I learned during my syndicated days when I was on in D.C. on a nightly basis. Now That's not a good. You, you need to correct that, <laughs> or they're they're gonna. I'm sure that there are people cringing. He said that he used the term "city" like multiple times, and I only watched like five minutes of this press conference. Well. Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll learn very quickly, that's for sure. But you know what? All is probably forgiven because I heard he like called into the flagship station who uh, was doing a, um, a fan get-together and said that he'd buy uh, a round of beers for everyone who was at the fan huh. get-together. So all okay. is forgiven. <laughs> well, I need to jump on a plane and go to D.C. for that. Uh, I assume that was, I don't know if WTOP is still the flagship. That's the station I used to do my syndicated show on, so... Uh, just a little pop for WTOP. Uh, Nikki Jabala, who covers the Commanders, uh, she put together a snapshot of Daniel Snyder's tenure, and it's just kind of interesting what this snapshot says here. So he did purchase the team for $800 million. He sold the team for $6.05 billion, so he's made quite a profit here. The length of his tenure owning the Commanders is 24 years, one month, and 25 days. That equates to 386 games played. For the Commanders, they've had a regular season record of 164-220-2. They have had 10 coaches. That includes interim coaches. They've had six playoff bursts. They've won four NFC East titles. They've had 27 starting quarterbacks. They've had three team team names they've had four federal investigations they've had two nfl investigations they've had three attorney general investigations and they've only had two all pros the thing that surprised me the most there i didn't realize they actually won the division four times <laughs> that's more me than I, about three like three times more than i would have thought because i remember they won the division like two two years ago when the division was pathetic and nobody was above 500 It'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously a quick turnaround is probably not on the horizon here, but just kind of having the new ownership, new ideas, leadership obviously means a lot uh, and how that could potentially turn the commanders around. And then obviously as well, what's going to happen with the future FedEx uh, Stadium, uh, whether or not they're going to just try to, uh, I guess, rehab that place, find a new location, what, what the future holds there for the commanders as well. And where are they going to play? I mean, you know, in Virginia or in the district, uh, we'll see. I'm actually uh, probably one of the few Sam Howell supporters here or anywhere. Uh, I think that he has a chance to be a good NFL quarterback. I liked him at Carolina. 
Uh, he didn't get. Uh, I couldn't understand why he didn't get more of a run last year before the end of the season when they you know, just kind of threw him in there. And he did okay, but I think he actually has a chance to be a, a good NFL starting quarterback. I'm in a fantasy football league in which we have to draft three quarterbacks, and I, um, I actually would not mind it if he were my third quarterback this year. Also, he has a pretty decent receiving core to throw it to, right? Definitely. And a couple of good running backs, too, which, uh, you, know, you know, you know, Gibson is a, you know, kind of a receiver playing running back. And then Robinson, who you know, had the you – know, that was an amazing story last year, obviously got shot during preseason and was actually an effective player and runner at times last year during the season. For all the trials and tribulations that the Commanders went through as well, uh, Terry McLaurin still had 1,191 yeah. yards receiving. So, uh, and they got a really good defense. Yeah. That, that's not an issue there. Yeah. We will get into the happenings at the Open Championship on the other side of the break. Also, Justin Ray, we cite him often. He has some great little statistics and nuggets. We'll get into a few of his uh, from day one yesterday. That's all happening next here on KDUS AM 1060. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Wrapping up hour number one of this extra point edition on this Friday, July 21st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortelaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The Open Championship is underway and you have an unlikely person sitting atop the leaderboard and in a way kind of running away with it here in today's second round action. It's Brian Harmon who shot a six under par round today. He's sitting at 10 under par leading the event. You have Tommy Fleetwood, who shot five under yesterday. He's currently even on the day today in second place. Then our guy, Min Woo Lee, shot three under par today. He's in a tie for third uh, with Sepp Straka and Jason Day, who are both on the golf course right now. Uh, Jason Day is actually four under par today. So, too, is Cam Young, who's also in a tie for third. So uh, there is some low scoring happening this afternoon. There's also some higher scoring happening this afternoon. Jordan Spieth, who shot two under yesterday, he's even through 17 so far today. Uh, I just saw him miss a golden opportunity for birdie, probably about uh, eight feet or so uh, for Jordan Spieth there on 17. But when it comes to uh, a Scotty Scheffler here, I guess it was bound to happen. The ball striking that has just been on historic levels, the consistency of making pars and birdies and, and avoiding those bogeys and worse uh, has started to creep in because the putting woes have started to kind of creep in as well. Uh, he's not hitting fairways today. He's not hitting greens today. He's four over par, three over for the tournament, and he's got to get it in the clubhouse here or else he's in danger of missing the cut right now the cut is sitting at three over par when it comes to Rory McIlroy who won here the last time it was contested at Royal Liverpool he shot one under par today uh, even yesterday he's in a tie for 13th and I have to say this though about Rory yesterday hole 18 
What an incredible save for Parr. He hit it in one of the bunkers. Obviously, we know how penalizing these little pot bunkers can be always at Open Championships. Uh, he was unable to go at the hole, so he tried to go left, just kind of pitching it out of the bunker, and... Uh, got a little bit underneath it, a little bit too cute, and uh, left it in the bunker. So now he has uh, an awkward stance where he has his left leg laying outside of the bunker, right foot in the bunker, and has to try to somehow get this thing close. Does, in an incredible effort, his club hits the front of the face of this bunker as well, about 10 feet away, drains the putt for par, so to keep that momentum rolling into today, where he shoots one under par. Uh, so we'll see how things unfold as the rest of the Open Championship is underway here. Stats, though, from Justin Ray. 11 of the last 12 men's major championship winners have been tied for ninth or better after round one. Here is also something staggering. Less than 10% of Open winners in the last 100 years have come outside of the top 10 entering round three. So today's round is pretty, pretty pivotal to figure out your positioning heading into the weekend. In addition to that, the eye test showed it and the stats backed it up about yesterday as well. The early draw yesterday played a stroke easier than the afternoon. We'll see, of course, things can always change on a dime with weather conditions. The wind is a little bit more prevalent this afternoon. We'll see if the storm is expected to continue to roll in uh, tonight and then uh, how it's going to play for tomorrow's uh, op uh, third round of the Open Championship. But it is a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Von Hansen's located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. That $100 gift certificate available to you coming up in hour number two. Hour number two, we'll also talk Texas football and the rest of the Big 12. It is the Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060.